Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Bucks Raptors game two, covering it for the athletic as he's done all season. Our friend Eric Name, who joins us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Coach Name. Namesy. My boy Winks, my boy Freems. What's up, fellas? I like it. What's happening, son? Not much, man. I'm just hanging out, waiting for game two. Yeah, no kidding, man. Bucks will have Bucks have a little shoot around beforehand today. You know, people always ask me now. You know, what when they say they have a little shoot around, what they do before uh, a game? Those guys get in there, Namesy, and you bet a lot of these where they they go get a little sweat going before their game. Yeah, and uh, you you want to get a little sweat going. You want to get some shots up. Most guys have uh, you know a, a routine that obviously the coaching staff has kind of prepared for them, but also. Uh, it's kind of up to them as well, like what shots they they really want to get in and and what they want to get done. And, uh, you know, many times we've all talked about and heard about how crazy Giannis is. I think he takes that very serious and, you know, wants to get a certain number of shots in and all that. So, uh, yeah, all those guys get in and, you know, try to get themselves ready for the game. Yeah, and it usually happens early in the morning. Well, not early, mid-morning, 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and then they go home and then they come back again. Yeah, typically you want to get it done, go get yourself a nap, or at least that's what most players do is go get a... Yeah, nap. Go get, go out, yeah, naps are huge. Like you, I mean, as someone on the NBA beat, they're big for me too. I definitely <laughs> take a nap after shoot-around uh, most game days. So, uh, yeah, you, you got to get your body right and, and do what you can to, to be ready to go for the game. So I've got... Maybe it's some bad news. Maybe there's some good news in this. Uh, Chuck, I... I uh, I canceled the athletic. You did after yeah. you've been promoting it for all these years. Yeah, I did because uh, I read Eric's last article about how the Bucks defended Kawhi uh, in Game One, and I had initially subscribed to the Athletic on a discount, mm-hmm. so I canceled it and I resubscribed to make sure I paid full price to get the quality work <laughs> that Eric Name oh, is believe, putting out. Don't believe that for as the second. Athletic. You did such a good job. If you could explain to our contingent here about explaining in your piece, and the video component is so good too, about how the Bucks were able to defend Kawhi Leonard and then the way that they might try to continue to do that in this series. So not only did I enjoy your article, but I canceled and resubscribed to your service to pay you the uh, fee that you so rightly deserve. I mean, the bad news is I don't think I'm going to see any more money because of it, but I do appreciate that you did it. Um, but I, I, this Bucks team, uh, they going into this series, I thought looking at the season finale, they had kind of figured out some things about uh, against Kawhi and kind of what you want to do. And, you know, the, the big thing anytime you play Kawhi Leonard is he's such a tough shot maker that you have to limit the easy ones, that you, you can't let him – get all all the way to the rack and you can't let him get to the free throw line and the bucks in that game they gave up three shots at the rim to him uh you you can probably think of the moments in the game when he got one uh it was the offensive rebound put back dunk at the end of the third quarter 
It was the steal that he forced against uh, against Chris Middleton, and it was uh, another backdoor layup that he had on Chris Middleton. And those were the three shots at the rim. And then they gave him ten free throws, which is probably a little bit more than they would have wanted to, uh, but still not a crazy number. It's not up near twenty or anything like that. So you know you limit him to sixteen easy ones, and then. The Bucks really made him work for everything else. And, you know, kind of the, the goal with with Leonard is make him work just to touch the ball. And if you watch it, they, they gave 42 minutes, 13 seconds uh, was how long Leonard was on the floor. And during those 42 minutes and 13 seconds, he had Chris Middleton or Malcolm Brogdon denying him the ball all over the floor. You'll see them running up to half court to keep it out of his hands. Uh, just to touch the ball for Leonard was a chore. Like that, that, that alone was tough. And then after that, uh, I can't imagine doing this to another elite wing, but we've seen the Bucks do this with other people. I, I think the, the moment to highlight is Eric Bledsoe on James Harden earlier this year, where he just sat on the left hand and said, you're going right. They don't go to quite that extreme with Leonard, but they do take away the right hand. You, you, if, if you watch Brogdon, if you watch Middleton, they're just simply not going to let him go right. And I, I kind of wished I could get some truth serum for those guys because as they were talking about Leonard's game winner in Game 7 against the Sixers, I, I just wanted to ask him, like, you guys would have forced him left, right? Because... He's so much better going to his right. He can get to the pull-up jump shots that he likes. He can do all of that. Uh, going to his left on the season on pull-up jumpers, he's shooting 35%. And that's what the Bucks are forcing. It's to the left. And then, obviously, you add in Brooke Lopez at the rim, who is just fantastic in game one. And then you add Giannis flying around all over the place. And you have, you know... I mean, this is the league's best defense. It was the league's best defense throughout the entire season. And, you know, it wasn't a gimmick. Like, they have a lot of defensive talent. And you have two guys in Brogdon and Middleton that make them work really hard. And then everyone else on the team is loading up towards them. And it's just really tough for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Giannis didn't exactly have too many holes, too many gaps to dive through on Wednesday night. What did you see the Raptors did against him? I think... They did largely what everyone does against Giannis. You're going to load up against him. You're going to try to build a wall. And I'm I'm really curious to see when the aggression gets turned up because we saw with Giannis in the Celtics series, game one, game two, he was, I don't want to say passive because he's never passive, but he wasn't as aggressive as he was in games three through five. And I think what we're seeing from Giannis in this playoffs is a level of maturity that I'm not sure everyone thought he had because he's really doing a nice job sort of pacing himself as a series goes on and figuring as much out as possible before he, he really turns it on. And I just thought in game one, there were moments where uh, you think of that that crazy finish he had where he like, flipped his hand at the last moment he was going to do a finger roll with his right hand and then he flipped it overhand and, and hit that shot like he went right at both Siakam and Gasol on that on that bucket like it was a tough bucket in the fourth quarter they needed it and he was able to go through them but we didn't really see him do that throughout game one he 
picked his spots. He, he got as deep as he wanted to, and then he kicked out. And um, I just think as you see a series go on, he's going to get better and better. And I thought we saw it in the Celtics series where in game one and game two, like he was figuring out where the passes were going to be, where, uh, you know, the help was coming from and, you know, he was trying to figure out how hard he could put his shoulder into a, into Al Horford. And I think we're kind of seeing all of that uh, here in, in, in this series as well. Like, I, I think maybe he'll turn the aggression up a little bit tonight. Um, but I think largely you're going to see him kind of play make and, and kind of do some of the same things. And then I think in game three is when you see him kind of decide, all right, I'm going to I'm going to dunk on you. And that's why after game one, I, I just kind of thought like, I don't know how this Raptors team beats the Bucks four out of six times. Like I, I just, I just can't see a world where that exists because Giannis is only going to get better as the series goes on, and he's only going to figure things out more. And then you get to a point in in game four or five of a series with him where he's both figured out how to dunk on you and how to get all of his shooters open and where they're going to be open. And if he's making passes, he if he knows all of those spots, like. I just don't know how you stop them. So it, it, I'm, I'm really curious to see how much it gets turned up tonight and how much more aggressive he is, and you know how much more success he has at the rim. He's only seven of sixteen on the night uh, the other night. I, I, I think there's more shot attempts to be had, and I, I think there's a better percentage to be shot as well. Talking with Eric Name of the Athletic, forget winning four to the next six, uh, winning one. I, the Raptors, you know, they for as well as they shot, and as poorly as the Bucks shot. And the Bucs still won that game by eight points. I mean, I, I got to think that's a backbreaker of a game. I don't know if you're Nick Nurse, what you do differently to try to beat this Milwaukee team. I can't figure anything out. Yeah, man, I I struggle with that. I mean, I had Bucks in five, and I, I, don't, I can't imagine any – I can't imagine any other outcome, really. Like, you know, maybe it – the Raptors don't manage to get one of the the two in Toronto, but um, I know I mentioned that to Matt Velasquez when Brook Lopez got that shot at his or he got that pass at his feet from Giannis and hits that three to make it one hundred four one hundred. And I looked over at Matt, I was like, I think this series is over. Yeah, and he was, and, and he was like, he's like, all right, Paul Pierce, that that's enough. <laughs> and I was like, well, I was like, I, I predicted Bucks and five before the series, and I just think when. When you look at what they did in that game, like it's it's really difficult, I think, to to find a, a lot to to really like about the Raptors and their tech. Like I think Marcus Saul will shoot a little bit better, and you know maybe they can take advantage of the Bucks and the pick and pop a little bit more. I think Siakam could shoot better. Uh, maybe they can take advantage of Giannis trying to cheat off of him as much as he does. Uh, but you know, like when you're thinking of how the Raptors win. Like, you're putting together a lot of really good games, right? Like, you're thinking, like, okay, well, Marcus Gasol's going to shoot better, and Pascal Siakam's going to shoot better, and, you know, Kawhi Leonard is going to shoot better, and, well, okay, Kyle Lowry's not going to shoot better because he couldn't have shot better than he did yeah. in that game. So he, he regresses back to a normal, and then it's just like, okay, well, you had those three good performances, and Giannis didn't play all that well, and Bledsoe didn't play all that well. Middleton didn't really hit shots. Like, there's a lot there for the Bucks to improve as well. So, uh, you know, going out of that game, I, I just thought that was the one that the Raptors had to have. Like, they, they had to have game one where the Bucks were trying to get their rhythm back, trying to figure everything out, and, you know, maybe make this game two, uh, you know, where you apply a little bit of pressure where the Bucks need to get a win here. And they didn't do that. And, again, we haven't seen the Bucks have a lapse yet where – 
they relax. So I, I can't imagine it's coming tonight. But you know, maybe maybe that is something that happens where the Bucks are you know resting on their laurels a little bit. But it, it seems unlikely, right? So uh, I, I kind of tend to agree with you. Like I, I think. I still think the Raptors can get one, especially at home, uh, just because role players shoot better there, and uh, you know you're going to be able to get some better performances out of your others. But man, I, I just think it's really tough to to put something together where this becomes a seven game series. Like I, I struggle to see it after game one. You know, I don't expect Kyle Lowry to be shooting seven to nine from three point arc, and some of those guys who didn't play well though for Toronto, I think they're going to have about better games. Uh, they should have better games in the series. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think really, and kind of what I've seen from, you know, comments on my article and people on Twitter and stuff like this is I think both teams think they're going to play much better in game two, which I don't think is is crazy. Like I think that's that's definitely something uh, that could happen. But the the big thing to remember in all this is, you know, you don't just get to have everyone else get better and those other guys that had good games stay good as well or you know what i mean like all of this kind of levels out like you, you don't get to add a great pascal siakam game and a great marcus all game and a great danny green game to the already great kyle lowry game like you know all of those things kind of work out it's an ecosystem and all of these things even out in some ways uh so yeah i mean i think the raptors are going to play better but i also think the bucks are going to play better in this one uh, at what point does the Miritich starting for Brogdon become not a story? So either are we is that what we're going to see now in each and every game, or is Brogdon eventually going to work his way back into that starting lineup? Uh, man, I, I think it it probably depends how much the Raptors feed Danny Green tonight. I mean, Bogut uh, started did, last night and he played four minutes, so I, I don't know. You know, who cares? Yeah, and I mean, I think the. One of the things that we heard from the Raptors in in the off day yesterday was that you know they got to do a better job getting Danny Green started, and uh, I'm curious how committed to that they are. Like I'm curious if they run him off a couple screens, if they do really try to go out there and get him some looks. Like that forces the Bucks' hand a little bit. But this is something I tweeted yesterday. This is kind of where the Bucks feel inevitable. Okay, so you you run some plays for Danny Green, right? And you you force Nikola Mirotic off the floor. Congratulations, you've you've forced the Bucks to adjust to their starting lineup for the entire year. Like the adjustment would be to start Malcolm Brogdon. So you for you've you've really forced the Bucks' hand here. <laughs> now they have to play their most used lineup in the lineup they trust the most. Or you know what I mean? Like it's just it, it it's this impossible game with the Bucks where, okay, we forced you into this adjustment. Okay, great. That sounds awesome. We'd love to play Malcolm Brogdon more. Like uh, we're we're gonna be really happy if we can start him and he can play thirty plus minutes because that means he's getting healthier and that means we can use the lineup that we use most of the entire season. And, and then it's just like, okay, well, uh, we're gonna play Brooke Lopez off the floor. Okay, that's fine. Uh, we'll just play Miritich and move Brogdon into the starting lineup because you know we we love both of those guys. They've started for both of us this year. And it's just like no matter what you do with this Bucks team, like the adjustment you're trying to get them to make the Bucks are going to put someone on the floor that they like. It, so you, you just kind of get into the spot where it's like, what are you even trying to do? That that was one of the things I was talking about during the Celtics uh, series was, one, the Bucks aren't going to take Brook Lopez off the floor. He's proven again and again and again that he can play a million different ways, whether he's switching, whether he's high hedging, whether he's zone dropping on defense, whatever it is, he can play. Uh, so 
you're going to try to play Brooke Lopez off the floor? Okay, fine, great. The the Bucks will find a way through that. Like they they like those other guys. So um, I, I don't know. They're, they're, like I said, there's times where I felt in this Eastern Conference. The Bucks feel inevitable, and it'll be different if, if they get to the finals and play the Warriors. But mm-hmm. in in the Eastern Conference, it's inevitable. That 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 to me is just kind of what it feels like at this. Point. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 